whatever the situation, he knows our names. No fire, no mountains, nothing can get in the way of him knowing who we are. I thank God for those songs, the uh, songs that he put on my heart this week. And, you know, I have to uh, try to figure what way I'm supposed to go. You have to put together a word in speaking and then put together a word in song. So I try to give God my best, even though sometimes I feel like I can sing real well. Other times I feel like it's just not there anymore. But I try to do the best that I can. My, my, my. Hey. Because he knows my name. Hey. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but he knows my name. Hey. When I was in trouble, when I was down and out, he knew my name. Amen. So I thank God for knowing my name. You've heard the reading of the scripture. We want to talk to you from the subject today, what man expects is not what God expects. What man expects is not what God expects. So, Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people, to speak a word that you have laid upon us. God, may it do this body of Zion some good. It's not about form or fashion. It's about preaching the word of God. So we thank you, God, that there is no competition, there is no confusion there is no calamity there's just the word of God we appreciate you God and we thank you in Jesus name amen I can deal with technology of course in this the fourth uh, and final installment of our L-I-F-E series what does that spell all right, I heard you, that's good life. In our life series, the Lord laid it on our hearts to give you the last letter, which stands for expectation, Brother CJ, expectations. Now, right off the bat, let me point out the fact that in our lives, we sometimes have difficulty, Brother Fred, in our expectations. In fact, Brother Sultan, especially where our circumstances come into play. You see in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says that uh, God's ways are not our ways. And, and so we talk to you today from what man expects is not what God expects. We want you to provide you with the word because it's our hope that through this series we were able to equip you and encourage you and energize you. Did you hear me? 
we want to equip you. We want to uh, encourage you, and we want to energize you with the word of God. Psalm 66 and 12 says that we went through the fire. I don't know how many of y'all have been through the fire, but you know me, I like to raise my hand and put it out there. Been through the fire, and we've been through the water. But God brought us through to rich fulfillment, the Bible says. And that sums up our sermon from last week where we talked about fulfillment. And as our subject today suggests, we have started making it through. Pop, that was our expectation, but somehow in the fire and the flood, sometimes we miss the boat because of how hard the circumstances were. And it was God's expectation of fulfillment that brought us through. I hope I have some witnesses still with me today. You see, since we missed the boat, some of us may have expected to be an eternal failure. We gave you some insights on failure last week. In other words, we flunked the test. I told y'all some of my personals about being in a flunking situation. And many times our expectation was that we would get back up and handle the issues of life for ourselves and by ourselves. But again, I said to you that that was a man-made expectation. But we came to tell you today that those who believe that your expectations, your hopes, your future, and your outcome, we, we want you to know that it must come from God and nowhere else. So the scripture tells us that despite all of our circumstances, God still has his hands on us. A few more amens and I'll sit down and get out of your way. But, but uh, with one, big, I love it when he does that. We have one big caveat. One big expectation. And here it is. Scripture says that he will keep his hands on us if we stay in fellowship with him. You see, man can't expect much from you. Man cannot expect a whole lot in and of himself or herself. Because our expectations are different from God's expectations. Because what we expect is different from what God expects. So you see, man's expectations are simple beliefs drawn from the recesses of a person's mind. They're rooted and grounded in thought processes that examine the evidence that's put before us. And man's expectations are not always correct. They're often flawed and built on false pretenses and often misunderstood because of the evidence. But let me tell you something, Brother Allen, expectations that are always based on man's assumptions will get you in trouble. I hope you all heard that. For example, if a woman gets married 
and she sees the evidence of a hard-working man during good times, she forms an expectation that they will likely not have any money troubles in their marriage. Isn't that right? But if he decides to change careers and he loses his job or he loses his zest and zeal for life, she may resent him based on her expectations. This situation can work the other way around. The woman can do all of that and the man has to change his expectations. This, this is where we can see mutual dependency. And where mutual dependency is, expectations exist. And if they're not met, conflict can result. But God's expectations are different from man's expectations, as I said before. Our friend and my fraternity brother, just before getting ready to start his church, began to discuss plans for the new church with me and my sister. And he began to talk about what he was going to do when he started the church. And the upshot of that meeting was that he had already heard from God about the name of his new ministry. Y'all all know it. Uh, his ministry is called L-I-F-E, Church Ministries, Life. And we're talking about nothing, none other than my frat brother, Reverend Amen Flowers. But here's what we really want you to know and take away from that. And that is that God gave him a word for all of us. Because if you look at the name of the church, spelling out the words in that name, it's called living in future expectations. That'll preach somewhere down the road. Because see, Jeremiah 29 and 11 already shows us that we can expect to have a hope and a future, a God-filled hope and a future. Like I said, I'm going to sit down in a few minutes. So uh, as we examine expectations in the text, we see a young man not following God's expectations because that's what this parable really is telling you. God is telling us a story. But rather, this man is following his own expectations. And so he walks up to his father one day and he says, give me my inheritance. That is, give me my money right now that you've saved for me. Y'all know how basically uh, he approached his father. He thought he was uh, having to be able to get what he thought he had earned, and he probably had not earned anything. He probably got just what he was expecting or, or more than he was expecting, but like many people, when they get that money and possessions in their hands, People can expect that they will change. I have seen more people out there fighting over a few quarters just because it was there. And mama left me this and daddy left me that and, and my sister left me this and, and just a few quarters. But here they are fussing and fighting over just those few quarters. I, 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 and don't let no real money no. get in the mix. Oh, man. 
I hope I got some witnesses out there. You know, because when the real money gets involved, then people really get crazy. And, and, and so as this story goes, because he had never had that kind of money to manage, the, the young man had, had never had an economics class and was nowhere near how to operate as a frugal church treasurer or a member of the finance ministry, he quickly spent all of what he had. You know the story. And just like that, all the money was gone. You, you, you seen his type. Uh, the, those who won the mega millions and, and uh, the, uh, the regular lotto and, 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 and they had so many millions of dollars and before the year was over, it's all spent up. Flat broke, in other words. Remind me of the stars who make those millions and lose millions at the same time. And we're sitting around us poor folk wondering, how did they do such a thing? All that money. Didn't say not a dime. Just, just lost it all. Well, after wasting his money as expected, God tells us through Luke's writings that he had honed his that if he had honed his relationship with God, see, this is God's story, uh, that he would have been in the best situation instead of the terrible circumstances he's in. Because here comes a famine. And the famine comes to the just as well as the unjust. The famine comes to believers but even in the famine, God provides. When being down to your last dime uh, and it comes to you believers, God still provides. And when believers get wrapped up and tied up and tangled up in circumstances of life, God still provides. Provides for them because he loves us anyway, Pastor I, and, and under any condition. I hope that y'all people out there in virtual land are witnessing to this. And so expectantly, this man and his money had soon parted, and he found himself working to feed some hogs. Let me tell you something. Hogs are greedy. I can still see my father. I may have told you this before, but I can still see my father and me going out into the country what we call the country where all the, the fields were and getting to the hogs that were out there and shake that bag of corn and he holler, come on. And they, <laughs> and here they are knocking every other hog out of the way to get to that corn and, and, and get some feed because that's how they are, they're greedy. And so I, can you imagine yourself among the hogs, wanting to eat what they eat, pushing and shoving for some slop and some, some corn if it got any. But, but even the hogs wouldn't let this young man eat. But verse 17 says of the text that he, that the expected phrase in a situation like this is that it came himself. Mm. Which is the same as he got through 
smelling himself. The old folk used to say that, that, for, that for the young folk and, and the less experienced family and friends, that he, it, it, it was uh, an expected time to get your act together. And it's an expected time for him to go home. Because you see, sometimes God will let you smell bad enough. Until you come to your senses, he'll, he'll let you smell yourself bad enough. He'll let your circumstances get bad enough. And then if you let God fix it for you, it will be all right. And you will come running as a young man did, hopefully repentant. Repentant. And he was saying that his father has more than enough for us. So why are we hanging out here with the horns of life? And so the story goes, he goes home to his father, and his father welcomes him with open arms, cleans him up, throws a lavish party. Something he did not expect. Because if we look at the message behind this parable, it is to let us know that God's expectations are that we have life and have it more abundantly. And that's why man's expectations are not the same as God's expectations. Well, bless the name of our God, people of God. Well, Pastor Keith, you have certainly gone through and shown us how uh, man has an expectation of how his life uh, should go and how things ought to be. But I want to stand before you all this morning and ask this question. Have you ever asked the question, what does God expect of me? Ah, uh, I know, I know. We, we have our list, right, Pastor Keith? We, we certainly have our list of our expectations of God, right? Uh, uh, we, we, we expect him to bless us, to heal us, to save us, to prosper us, uh, to deliver us, to free us, uh, and to make us whole whenever we are broken. Uh, uh, but, but let's flip the script just for a moment and ask ourselves, what does God expect? of us. Uh, well, just in case you had not given it much thought, you hadn't, uh, that had not come across your mind recently, uh, today is the day we hope to arouse uh, your curiosity as we examine uh, the issue of God's expectations. Uh, I, I hope, I hope by now, uh, in your walk with the Lord, uh, that you understand that he does have uh, expectations of us as his children. Uh, can I tell, you, tell it to you like this? Uh, I don't really know of any human parent 
that has no expectations of their children. Amen, somebody. Uh, as a matter of fact, Reverend Veronica, uh, we often will create expectations of how they will look and how they will act and, and what they will be when they grow up uh, even before they are born. Oh, come on, help me somebody. Uh, uh, there is something uh, that seems to be an innate characteristic in each of us, Pastor, uh, that allows us to create expectations sometime without even thinking about it. Uh -huh. uh, of course, uh, there's another school of thought uh, that says that if you never have any expectations, uh, then you will never be disappointed. Uh, but 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 I happen to think uh, that this thought process is antithetical to how God would have us to view an expectation. After all, an expectation is an act of looking forward to or anticipating something that will take place. In other words, it is a future event. Uh-huh, and as believers, as believers, we ought to be expecting the second coming of Jesus if we don't expect anything else. All right, somebody in the house needs to say amen. Um, but see, God, God is our divine parent um, in whose image we have been created uh, as he is the God of many expectations. Uh, oh, you all might know that I really don't have time this morning uh, to go through and hit thoroughly every level of God's expectations, but I wanted us to take a look at Colossians, the first chapter, verses 9, I'm sorry, 10 and 11, which do reveal some of what God expects. Can I just tell you all that in this brief prison epistle, that's right, uh, uh, he wrote the letter while he was locked up for preaching the gospel, uh, but Paul begins his letter by sending out his prayers and his greetings as it was customary to do in a letter in Paul's day. Uh-huh, he jumps right in, Pastor, and he has these kind words to say, and he lets the people know that, that he has heard about the impact of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He lets them know that this powerful message, this life-changing message is really taking root all over the world. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. You see, what is happening in the text is that he's gotten word through his co-laborer. See, Epaphras, eh? Epaphras was a church planter, and he planted that church in Colossae. Uh, uh -huh, that church, uh, uh, that, that, that love is being seen by the, uh, by the guide of the Holy Spirit, and it's dwelling among the people. Uh, Epaphras tells Paul, he says that this congregation is a loving congregation, it's a caring congregation, and they are faith-filled people. Um, in other words, it sounds like they are the church uh, that they've been called to be. Somebody ought to lift up their holy hands and say, thank you, Jesus. But Paul, Paul is not surprised by the report because he says he's never stopped 
praying for them and he knows that they are growing spiritually because of those prayers. Ah, prayer, prayer, prayer. Come on now, come on. We see some power in prayer. Uh, but what, what Paul is saying is that something is taking place in the hearts of the people that is noticeable to a watching world. Uh, uh, they may not really be able to put their finger on it, Brother Rico, uh, but they know there's something different uh, about these Jesus followers. Uh, they used to be mean and nasty, uh, belligerent and argumentative, but now they have learned to turn the other cheek, and they speak words of encouragement and wisdom. They are seeking the least of them to serve them because of their connection with the powerful force of a divine God. Oh, God makes the difference. Come on, somebody. God makes the difference. In other words, in other words, let me just tell it to you like this. Paul is talking about the one thing that is happening and that these folks are bearing fruit. Yeah, 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 bearing fruit. Uh -huh, uh -huh. If we look it up in, in verse number 10, the, the New Living Translation uh, uh, tells us, it says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Uh, but as I told you before, Paul is not surprised when faithfulness collides uh, with the faithful one, that we can expect fruit to be produced. Uh, there is there is a producing of something that was not there or was not evident in their lives before. Uh-huh, men and women of refuge when we are under the power of truth of God, a change will come. A, a development will happen and growth will be evident. So can we look at the passage real quick this morning? Because there is something we all can learn about life under the umbrella of that letter E, which stands for expectation. I'm going to give you my first point, and the first point says that God expects good fruit. Uh, yeah, 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 he does. He, he does. I, I, I believe, I believe that whenever we have a taste for fruit, um, uh, we want the fruit to be the best fruit available. Amen, amen. Uh -huh. we, we, we don't want fruit that's rotten. Amen. Somebody, we we don't want it all shriveled up. Uh, we don't want it look like it's moldy. Uh, uh, we don't want it weeping or seeping something out of it. Uh, uh, we, we, we don't want it to look like something is wrong with it. Uh, we want fruit that is fresh, uh, and we want fruit that's vibrant in its color and ready for human consumption. Right about it? Am I, am I right? Am I the only one who looks for that kind of fruit? Uh, it, it, it will be the fruit that is good for you and the fruit that's good to you. Uh, there is nothing more disappointing, come on here church, uh, than to bring home fruit uh, that you thought was sweet uh, and it turns out uh, oh God 
God. Uh, that is sour or, or, or worse than that, Brother Sultan. It don't have any taste at all. Has anybody ever bought home fruit that, that you open it up or you cut it open and you get your mouth all ready for it and you take the first bite and it don't taste like nothing like it should? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm just. I'm telling you. I know there's some witnesses in the house. Uh, but, 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 uh, when you uh, uh, get some fruit and you bring it home and it meets your every expectation, are we some happy campers then? Uh, 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 we want more of that kind of fruit. Uh, we, we want to go back to the store the same day and see if we can get some more of where that came from. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. As Christians, we are said. To to be that kind of fruit. Mm. That, that, that is, we, 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 we are fruitful. We, we are folks who bear fruit. Uh, and fruit is what God expects. Uh, when we get ourselves ripe in Jesus. Uh, uh, can I tell you something? Uh, uh, that according to Pastor Tony Evans, uh, he, he, te he teaches this. He says, uh, fruit has three characteristics. Uh, three characteristics for those of you who are note takers. He says, the first thing he says is that it's visible. We see it. We we can see. We see fruit. Uh, you know, we 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 go uh, to where the fruit is, and and we can see it, and 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 uh, it's not hidden. Uh, uh, it's not out of our way. It's within our grasp. Uh, 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 we don't have to guess uh, what it is that you are looking at. Uh, a piece of fruit. Uh, uh, if it's an orange, it bears all the markings of an orange. Amen. Somebody. Uh, nobody has to call the committee together and put the fruit on it table and discuss what the fruit is. They can look at the fruit and you can tell what the fruit is. They automatically know that it's good fruit. They see it. Oh, see, it looks good. They smell it. It'll smell good. They taste it. It'll taste good. Fruit is visible. Amen. Somebody, somebody make a note. Make a note. He says, he says that the fruit, it reflects the nature of the tree that it grows on. Uh-huh. I, th I think you all will agree uh, with Pastor Evans. He says uh, uh, that, that that's that that's the nature of it. And, and I began to think, Pastor Keith, when I was a little girl and, and growing up and at my grandparents' uh, home, they had a few uh, cherry trees out in the yard. Yeah, and, and it became one of my things, uh, you know, when the summertime came and, and the cherries began to get ripe, uh, that I would go out and I could pick myself some cherries uh, off the tree. Uh, and I never, I never, even as a young child, I, I never went out to the cherry tree uh, looking for grapes. Uh, I, I never went out there looking at it thinking it was going to be an orange uh, or, or, or looking for lemons. I, I went to the cherry tree because the cherry Cherry tree, poor cherries. Simple, simple as that. Uh, but 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 uh, but every year, Reverend Veronica it was the same thing. Uh, we expected cherries, and we got cherries. Uh -huh. can, can, can I tell you that people expect the same thing of us as Jesus Christ followers? Come on, somebody. They expect uh, if we are bearing good fruit today, then they expect to experience uh, the same kind of fruit uh, the next time they bump into you. Uh, men and women of God, don't be the kind of Christians that produces cherries one day and lemons another. 
I I hope I'm helping somebody. Uh, See, the tree must bear the same fruit uh, over and over and over again. Uh, You see, with our God, he is concerned with what we produce. You know we've got to produce love and peace and joy and goodness and faithfulness and kindness and gentleness and and self-control that are listed in Galatians chapter 5. This is our fruit when we start bearing something other than those kind of fruit. It confuses people. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And can I just say this for a moment? Our world is confused enough. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, it's already enough. I don't care what you look at. It can be confusing. So we can't switch up. And be one kind of tree today and another kind of tree tomorrow. God has an expectation that we will reflect his goodness in our lives. And the only way for us to do this is to remain connected to the vine. Abide in him and he will abide in you. When you remain in him, you can produce much fruit. But apart from him, we can't do a thing. Hallelujah. I ask ask the question this morning. What is it that you are reflecting? What impact is your fruit having on the people around you. Ah, so we got two things. The third thing he says is that it always exists, fruit that is, for someone else's benefit. Ah, you see, fruit does not grow just for the sake of growing. But fruit grows because there's a benefit to someone else. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, I, 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 we, 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 we want it to be something, and we need to be something that others can consume. We, we know, we know that, that the birds will come along and they'll pick fruit off the tree. Amen, somebody. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and, and they will fill up their bellies with, with the cherries. It's even on this tree that hangs over the church in the back here. Uh-huh. Humans will come along and they will eat of the fruit for a healthy, nutritious snack. Come on, who needs a healthy, nutritious snack? God provided fruit for the first couple back in the Garden of Eden. Fruit in the eye, in God's eyes, was made for the intention of benefiting others. And can I just tell somebody this morning that I'm so glad that He did? Uh, but does the fruit you are bearing does it benefit anybody else, or is it fruit that is repulsive and 
obnoxious? Does it make other people want more of you? Or do when they leave your presence, they feel belittled, discouraged, and downright depressed? I, I'm talking to somebody this morning that you need to ask yourselves the questions. In order for our fruit to be beneficial to people we are connected to, can I tell you our fruit needs to bring life and health and strength into the atmosphere. And the best way for us to be able to do that is to get to know the Savior named Jesus all the more. The more we know him, 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 the better our Christian character and we will grow and we will blossom and we will be like it. That's like the mighty God that we serve. I'm telling you, God, God expects, he expects fruit. The second thing, the second thing, and then I'm done. The second thing says that God expects us to endure. Uh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. When, when we take a look over at verse number 11 in the uh, New Living Translations, it says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Uh, how many of you all know we got to endure some stuff sometime? Oh, my God. But Paul in the text says that I'm still praying without ceasing for this church who is finding its way in the midst of false teaching that has been circulating around town about Jesus. Oh, you all know about those false teachers. You see, these teachings, they are really confusing to those who are new converts because they don't really know who to believe. They don't know what to believe. Ah, So they're looking at you, and you're saying one thing, and somebody else is saying something else, and it becomes confusing. But what the teachers do is they take some truth and they mix it with a little lie and the whole thing becomes one big lie. I, I, I believe, I believe uh -huh. that we live in the same kind of time that Paul used to live in when people have a tendency to mix a smattering of religions together to come up with something that they call truth. Ah, When you are seeking truth, I found this to be true, Pastor Keith, that when you are somebody that's seeking and searching to fill up a void in your life, you will reach up and fill yourself up with just about anything. Yeah, 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 I found it. I found it to be true. Uh, see, we have these mixings of religions. It gives some people something to believe in. But it's not the truth. It's not the truth. Uh, the teachings are false and they are spread around as if they are Christian beliefs and Christian doctrines. But the truth be told, it has nothing to do with Christ. Uh, ah, but Paul, Paul knows. Paul knows that this is a young church uh, and it's a loving church. Uh, but it's going to need the power of God to prevail, to persevere, and to press forward through the muck uh, and through the mire that is going around them. Uh, thus, Paul is praying that the church be strengthened so that they can endure. Ah, anybody know anything about enduring in this house? Can I tell you, life itself can be an enduring 
and often painful. Uh, can I tell you that boot camp uh, for some new recruits in the military is something that they have to endure. Uh, chemotherapy uh, is something that cancer patients uh, endure. Pregnancy, in my case, uh, was a time uh, of endurance. Uh, poverty and violence uh, and unemployment is endured by living in urban centers in many of our nation cities. People endure toxic relationships. They endure bad marriages and endure unreasonable bosses. When we think about endurance, it is something that usually involves an unpleasant experience. Yet, somebody say yet. Yes. Yet when it's all over, when you get through to the other side, you should come out stronger. You should come out wiser. You should come out better than you were before. Oh, in other words, in other words, when we have endured for a little while, oh, that's what the Bible teaches us, that we must endure for a little while, a light affliction, because it does not compare to the eternal weight of glory. Can I just tell you that we mostly will come out better. I need to put a pin there and say it's not always the case, but the goal of endurance is to help you produce something that was not there before. Oh, 2 Timothy. Come on, Timothy. What you got to say? 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 5 says that there is value of enduring and he says it like a good soldier. See, that goes that military talk again. Timothy says that soldiers, they don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer that enlisted them if they do. Men and women of God, remember that you are in a serious battle with Satan because he's still the enemy of our souls. We live in a hostile world. And in order for us to have victory, we must live a life that generates and that demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit. And can I just tell somebody, in case you didn't know, that that takes endurance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, come on, come on, come on in here, James. James 1, 3, and 4 reminds us that there is something beneficial for us to learn how to endure. James tells it like this. He said, because when our faith is tested, endurance, it has a chance to grow. And when our endurance is fully developed, we shall be perfect and complete. In other words, we will lack nothing. God expects us to endure. Anybody can be, uh, 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 anybody can say that they believe, but my question this morning to the house of God is how will you act when your faith is being tried, when your faith is being tested, and when you are being twisted? What will you do when every button in your life is being pushed by the 
enemy. I just want to ask a question. Can you endure? Can you endure? Can anybody endure? I know, I know, I know, I know. I know we want the hard test to be over. We want it to be over quick, fast, and in a hurry. Am I right about it? I do too. I found myself asking God to let this cup pass me. Do I really need to go through all of this? Does it, does it take all of what's happening in my life? But can I tell somebody what I learned? That we got to stop short-circuiting the process of enduring. Why, Pastor? Why? Why? Because God is trying to make something better out of you. Oh, God. I know we don't like it. I know we get discouraged. I know it makes yeah. us cry. But he's still trying to make something better out of you. Come on here, Sister Dee Dee. You see, God is bringing you into the reality of the best version of yourself. Ah, come on, come on. Don't you, don't you get off the exit. Don't you get off the exit too soon. Don't you go until God is finished with you. God, God. I'm talking about my God. He expects us. He expects us to endure like a good soldier. One more thing and I'm out your way. You see, I've learned that God will inspect what he expects. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. He inspects our fruit to make sure that it's a representation of who he is. We can't be like the fruit we used to see on grandmama's table. Y'all remember the fake grapes and the fake apple and the fake bananas? Used to sit, they, they, they look like fruit. But you bite into one of them and see how many teeth you have left when you finish wasn't meant for human consumption. It looked good on the table, but that was about it. God, I said, our oh God, he will inspect. Every now and then, he got to run you through a test to make sure that you can still endure. And while you are enduring, you can still praise his name. You can still count it all joy. You can still woo, say that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. I just came by to tell somebody that our God expects us to produce good fruit. And he expects us to endure in this journey called L-I-F-E. He will never, he said you will never be able to do any of that apart from me. So don't get cute. Don't get above yourself. But stay connected to the vine. Because when he is in it, we can do it. Our good fruit will always be visible. It needs to reflect the tree from which it came. And it will always benefit somebody else. And as you endure, 
come on, preacher. As a good soldier, I can tell you that your problems are all going to decrease. But I will tell you that the idea is that your faith will soar. In other words, your faith is subject to increase, even if your problems don't decrease. Oh, somebody need to, somebody better write that down. Oh, God, because your faith will be tested, and you will have trials on every hand. But I just need two or three people in the house today to say, I'm going to sing my theme song. I feel like going on. The trials might come on every hand. I still, I said I still feel like going on. And then when you finish singing that song, you break out and I just can't give up now I come too far come on come on come on where my people who just came too far I came too far to turn around come on people of God we gotta live life we are lifers that's what Pastor Flowers people call themselves they're lifers that's what they are cause they live in future expectations people of God we do too we elf our L stands for the love that God has for us and the love we have for him and his people the I stands for the ideal ideal abundant life the F reminds of, of our failure that he turns into fulfillment and our E expectations you better keep looking up don't you look down don't you turn around don't you look back you just keep going forward in the name of Jesus oh he's a mighty good God he presses us he tests us he inspects us but he deal, he does have an expectation that we will do what we are called to do even until the day of Jesus Christ and the people of God who heard and who understood. Let me hear you say amen. 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 And amen.